بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما رسدر الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد This is <coughs> is it the 14th or the 15th lesson whichever one it is inshallah 14 lesson 14 inshallah and we're going through the book of imam ibn qayyim rahimahullah al jawab al kafi liman sa'ala an dawa'i shafi also known as adda'u adda'wa and we've covered a lot of detail and so far imam ibn qayyim rahimahullah has said that if a person controls four things this person will be able to control their whole spirituality the whole islam the whole iman and if we don't control four things then we will lose our spirituality we will lose our islam and we will lose our iman and the four things he said number 1 is the sight number 2 is the thoughts number 3 is the speech and number 4 is our actions and our steps that we take we spoke about the sight in a lot of detail over the last couple of sessions and yesterday after asr we started speaking about the thoughts um so in regards to the thoughts we're just going to quickly go over what we did yesterday because we just about started regarding the thoughts and then it was time for maghrib so he says wa amma al khatarat fa sha'nuha as'ab he says regarding the thoughts it's much more harder <coughs> even than the sight to control to take care of is trying to say it's easier to control the gaze than to end up controlling the thoughts by saying the thoughts come because of the gaze so if we don't control the gaze then we're going to get the thoughts that we're not supposed to be having fa innaha mabda'ul khayri was sharr he's saying the thoughts are the beginning of all good and all bad You want to do a good deed, okay? It all starts off from one thought. You want to do something bad, it starts off from one thought. وَمِنْهَا تَتَوَلَّدُ الْإِرَادَاتِ وَالْهِمَمْ وَالْعَزَائِمْ So intentions, passions, and firm resolutions are all created from one small thought. فَمَنْ رَاءَ خَطَرَاتِهِ مَلَكَ زِمَامَ نَفْسِهِ Whoever is like a shepherd, meaning whoever is responsible over his or her thoughts, holds the reins of their nafs in their hands. You've got the reins, you're in control. Why? Because you're controlling and you're responsible. Rather than using the word control, you're responsible. Like a shepherd is responsible for the sheep. The sheep will run away. They're not going to stay in one place. They will go right, they will go left. Okay, when you've got all of them here, one will run that way. It's the job of the shepherd to run behind it and to bring it back. by saying whoever is responsible for the thoughts then he will be holding the reins of his nafs 
That doesn't mean the nafs won't try to run away. It will. But he'll be in control. He'll be holding it. And if it does go right or left, he'll be able to pull it back. But if we are on autopilot, we don't filter, we're not responsible, we look at what we want as a result of which all sorts of random thoughts come into our minds. What he's saying then is, وَمَنْ غَلَبَتْهُ خَطَرَاتُهُ فَهَوَاهُ وَنَفْسُهُ لَهُ أَغْلَبُ If you let your thoughts overpower you, meaning your thoughts are leading you, just let it come and let it go, okay, wherever it goes. Then he's saying that your nafs will overpower you. You will be, وَمَنْ اِسْتَهَانَ بِالْخَطَرَاتِ قَادَتْهُ قَصْرًا إِلَى الْهَلَكَاتِ He says, whoever trivializes, whoever trivializes uh, the thoughts. If you, don't, if you don't take this matter seriously, and you think, oh, it's not, what, what's the big deal? It's only thoughts. It doesn't matter what I think about. It doesn't matter what kind of thoughts I get. It's fine. Let them come. And, and not only let them come, what is things that come in your, into your head without you thinking about it? But then to carry on thinking about it, pondering upon it. Then it will take a person towards destruction. He says constantly these thoughts keep coming to a person's mind. And when a person gets indulged in these thoughts, they then become false desires. Just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about certain people in the Quran, how their false desires deceive them. How their false desires deceive them. They thought they're going to get this and they're going to do this and they will achieve this. But these are just false desires. It doesn't, what false desires does, it doesn't let you live in the moment. It paralyzes you from action because you're thinking, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going, this is going to happen. That. But it's not real. It's just extended hope. It's not real hope. Remember what we've been saying. If your hope stops you from action, what does that mean? If your hope stops you from doing good deeds and taking action, what does it mean? You've got too much hope. That's too much hope. That's not good. That's not raja. That's not the hope Allah speaks about in the Quran. When we say, have hope in the mercy of Allah, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah is saying, if your hope stops you from doing good deeds, that's too much hope. That's no good. That's not called hope and raja. That's called amani. That's called wishful thinking. That's called false hope. That's not real hope. Real hope always is coupled with good deeds. A believer will never have hope in Allah without doing good deeds. It's not possible. Those two things don't go together. Just like husnul dhan, having good expectation from Allah doesn't go with sins. It goes with good deeds. Okay, and the example that he gave was of a slave, a disobedient slave who runs away from the master. Okay, you can't think that he's going to have good expectation and husnul dhan regarding the master. He's running away. He's going to think bad about his master. Because when his master catches him, he's going to punish him. Why did you run away? So simply seeing a person who's committing sins is running away from Allah. You can't think I've got husnul dhan with Allah. Allah's going to really be kind to me. No, no, no. He says husnul dhan comes with good deeds. You do good deeds and then you have hope in Allah that Allah's going to forgive me because I'm doing what he's told me to do. So this is, he goes, this is a deception of the devil. Many religious people have thinking that I can do sins, but I can just hope in Allah's mercy. He goes, no, the hope that stops you from doing good deeds is not hope. This is amani. You need to cut down on that hope. Similarly, the fear that stops you from doing good deeds 
is also not the correct fear. There's too much fear of Allah. Your fear should not paralyze you from doing good deeds. You can't have that much fear that I'm, I'm, I'm just a loser now. I'm just going to burn in hell. I'm destroyed. I'm doomed. Okay, and you're too scared. No, he's saying your fear of Allah. In this scenario, you should read the hadith about hope and the mercy and the maghfir of Allah. So that you know that your iman is between hope and fear. This is what it means when they say iman is between hope and fear. People just throw the statement. Iman is between hope and fear. What does it mean? Okay, people need the guidance to understand what it means. It's not just about saying these things. There's an understanding behind it. And Imam Ibn Qayyim is teaching. This is the understanding. He's saying, if your hope, the whole, the whole idea is good deeds. That's why we're here. To do as many good deeds as possible. That's the idea. Anything that stops the good deeds happening, okay, that becomes, that's problematic. Even if it's in the name of hope, if it's in the name of husnul dhan, if it's in the name of khawf, it, it can't be correct because it's stopping you from your objective in life and that is carrying out as many good deeds as possible. So, <clears throat> now sometimes, um, some people don't have a lot of positive thoughts. Sometimes some people just have a lot of bad thoughts. Even like, even if they're not looking at bad things or thinking of bad things, it's just a person just bombarded with a lot of bad thoughts. So what people like that need is you need a lot of external input of positive thoughts. Um, you need extra help. You need to be in, basically you need to be in better company. You need to do better things. You need extra help then. Because if you're always going to, if you're bombarded with these thoughts and they're involuntary, that's fine. I mean, as long as they're not, you're not bringing them on. But how do you now go from that to getting positive and good thoughts? You need better friends. You need better company. You know, people are going to speak about better things. You need to be, hang around with people that are more positive as opposed to toxic, negative people. If we're always surrounded by people who are very toxic, very negative, so, you're going to become like that. If you're already like that, you're going to become worse. So you need to surround yourself with people that are more positive, more optimistic, have more hope, speak about more good things, nice things, pleasant things. Uh, and that will encourage us. We need to read more good stuff. Okay, read more good things. Listen to more good things. Be in better environments. This is something you have to do. If you're a person that has a lot of bad thoughts, um, you have to, you need extra, you can't yourself then just try to think that I'm going to think about good things. If it's not working for you, then you have to do something. So you need external help if you can't, if you don't have the power within you yourself. Now, Imam Ibn Qayyim says that these thoughts don't just stop here. He says, then it goes on to when a person has too many thoughts because you've been looking up too many things now you've got all these thoughts what the thoughts then do is they create these false desires inside you false hope he sees the pe then people get a very low drive we call this apathy apathy is a state where you just don't want to do anything you don't want to take part in anything. You lose interest in all kind of activity. You lose interest in real life. Why? Because you're living in here and you've got these false ideas and hopes 
So a person, instead of living in the now, he's living, he says, in the mind, in the false hopes. Al-Amani al-Kadiba, he says. So these distant hopes, then what happens is, what this does is, it creates inside you a new world. And this world is, this person is then pleased with fake thoughts over reality. A person doesn't enjoy real life, real people, real food, real company, real work. But a person then derives pleasure out of false things, thoughts. And, and, and this is what it leads to. So he's showing us the path. This is where it starts from. The sight. If you don't protect the sight, then your thoughts will get damaged. When your thoughts get damaged, it creates this amani. Amani is false thoughts. If you get too deep into it, then a person loses interest in what's real. And we're seeing that, aren't we, around us? In the world, we're seeing that now. People are not interested in now, in talking to a real person. People are not interested in sitting with their parents or even friends. Kids don't even play outside anymore. Like, before it was like the whole street was outside. Everyone knew each other. So much so that if you did something wrong, the uncle on the other side of the street would give you a slap and it would be fine. Okay, if you came in the masjid and you were messing around at the back, any uncle would come and just give you a slap. And it was fine. Your parents wouldn't make a big deal about it because everyone was kind of one. We were very community-based. We live with real people. Now it's like, you know, forget, forget anybody else. Even if the parent was to just shout at the child, okay, the child will read out the child line number in front of the parent. I know it off by heart. Okay, so things are changing rapidly. And Imam Ibn Qayyim is saying, this generally happens to those people whose minds are idle. Meaning you don't occupy yourself. If you, just, if you don't occupy yourself with good things, good people, good thoughts, automatically your brain's going to be idle. It's just going to be free. And this is something we spoke about yesterday that just think how much time every day do we spend daydreaming about false things? Like things are totally unachievable. We're never going to get to, we're never going to achieve. And each time it's probably 20, 30 minutes are lost. Just daydreaming about things that are never going to happen to you. Based on things that you've been seeing and you're thinking about. That's what it leads to, he's saying. He says this is one of the most detrimental things to one's spirituality. Now he's bringing it back and connecting it to something we spoke about earlier. He goes, this comes from something the Prophet sought Allah's refuge from. Remember we said that when a person commits sins, it leads a person for his heart to, the, their heart's journey to Allah gets weaker. Remember we spoke about this? Yeah? And then that translates into one of eight things. How does it become weak? It goes into one of eight things. Ajzi wal kasm, jubni wal bukhl, and what's the other one? Ajzi wal kasm, jubni wal bukhl. Before that one, hammi wal hazan, very good. Hamm wal hazan, and then galabatid dain wa qahrir rijal. These eight things. So he's saying that when a person gets involved in, uh, how does a person end up having a lot of these thoughts? He says, this is actually, this actually is born and it comes from ajzi wal kasal. When a person 
feels they don't have the capability to do anything, it's linked to apathy if you think about it. And a person does have, so you've got two situations. One is genuine thing, oh, I can't do it. This is beyond me. You just give up on everything. You just think, I can't do this. I don't have the ability to do it. I just can't get over this. So you start giving up on things, number one. Or you've got the ability, you've got the time, okay? You've got the time, you've got the ability, you've got the strength. You just can't be bothered. Laziness. It's because when a person falls into these two things, what happens is uh, they fall into this trap of thoughts on things that are just, it's a fantasy world. Um, and, and the solution to that is to keep busy, to keep occupied. And it doesn't matter, it can occupy in anything. Stay occupied, it doesn't have to be, you just don't have to be reading Quran. You don't have to just be in the masjid, occupied in any worldly work as well. It doesn't matter. Engage yourself in sport, spend time with the children, do something active. It doesn't matter what it is, okay? Engage yourself in some community work. Spend a bit more time at work if you have to. If you're feeling that, you know, this is what's happening where you're coming home or you're just there and you're just being overpowered by too many thoughts and that's then driving you to live in a fantasy world where you're just imagining things. You'd rather be doing something productive than just sitting there doing absolutely nothing because that's not recommended in Islam. And that's when the idle man's brain is the devil's workshop. And these thoughts drive a person crazy. So he's saying that what happens is these thoughts then lead to things like regret and remorse. Because you, you think, oh, you think of all these, you build up all these ideas, but you can't get to them. Because you're always living in regret and remorse. He says when a person, a mutamanni, mutamanni is a person who is always in false hope, false ideas. When you're living in this, because you've lost, he's saying you've lost touch with reality. You've lost touch with reality because you're living in your head. A person lost touch with reality. He says, uh, He says he imagines these things now in his head, in his heart, in his mind. And then he starts to feel as if he's engaging in those things in his head, in his mind. Instead of because he's lost touch from reality, he's now getting pleasure out of imagining those things in his mind. And this doesn't really achieve anything. Now again, one of Ibn Qayyim's beautiful examples. You might be thinking, what does that mean? He gives an example. He's saying, just imagine a person that's hungry or thirsty. So if you're hungry or you're thirsty, instead of actually eating food, you're, having, you're fantasizing about food or fantasizing about drink, a can of Coke. He's not actually eating or drinking. Can, can you see? Will you get full? No, but this guy, he doesn't end up getting pleasure out of eating real food anymore or drinking real drink anymore. He's living in a fantasy world. So he'll imagine eating all these fancy foods and get a buzz out of that. Okay, because too much scrolling, too much just consumption. Okay, there's a limit to consumption. Uh, yesterday, uh, Adam's brother Bilal sent me last night after our session, a link to uh, uh, 
web page. And that, this was from 2012, following on from our discussion. And very interesting, actually, from then it was written. This is before a lot of the current trends were available. And in there, something interesting, it mentioned how developers got rid of the next button. You know when you go onto a website, right, and you're, you're browsing on there, and then the page finishes, and then you click on next to go on the next page. Then you browse a few more things, and then you click on next to go on the next page. Because developers, they really study the human mind. And they thought that if we, if we keep this next button, what's going to happen? When a person gets to page six, he's going to think, oh, wow, I, I wasted quite a bit of time. I'm on page six. How many pages am I going to carry on going? So then let's get rid of the next button. We don't need a next button. Let's just have no pages, just scrolling. Just go, keep going. So a person doesn't know how much time is going, and that's what's happened. They've studied. They've studied and they've learned how to get you hooked on. And then another interesting thing I read on there was one is going from top to bottom. So you're going like this constantly, okay, scrolling. Before it was clicking. When you click and it takes time for next page to load, okay, now there's none of that. You just scroll, okay, and you can scroll, scroll end, endlessly, carry on going, <coughs> and there's no stop in mind. So that's one thing. But then you've got Pinterest. So with Pinterest, not only are you going down, what they've done then is they've studied, then one is to go down, but then to slow you down from going down, they're not just having one thing now, having rows of things. So you've got like, not one item, you've got like so many in a row, one after the other. So you've got boxes. So they've actually studied this very well and studied the human mind. So now your eyes are going like this and like this, okay? And then you cut something. So then you go back up a little bit and you stop there for a bit. And you look at that. And at the same time, you're taking all of these images in as well. You don't realize. And then you start scrolling down again. So this, this, is, this is Pinterest for you. And it's just showing you that what the developers had in mind when they created it. Okay. Again, I'm not sitting here to just bash these things. I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea that I'm just bashing social media. I use it myself. Okay, we're all involved in it. But it's important for us to know uh, that there's a level of consumption which is okay, but and then there's a level of consumption which is too much. And the issue that's happening with this is it's too much in one go. It's too, too much is happening in one go. That's the issue with it, okay? In terms of its benefit, in terms of the, 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 the help and the ease that is made for people, that's there, of course. Nobody denies that. Um, and like I said, I'm using it myself. So I'm not, I don't want anyone to think that I'm just here kind of bashing social media. Um, that's, that's, you know, if someone thinks that you've got the wrong end of the stick. What I'm trying to say is we need to learn how to control and not taking so much, then we're not able to control ourselves. That's, that's, the, that's the, what I'm speaking about. So, Imam Ibn Qayyim then says that people daydream about food, but they won't eat real food. They won't get pleasure. They'll eat food, but they don't know how to live in the now. So when they're eating food, they will be there, but their mind won't be with it. They won't even know what they've eaten. Okay, and we're like this we, in so many things. Like you ask somebody, well, which surah did the Imam read? Okay, we, we don't know because our mind, we weren't present in the salah. 
So presence, presence is something that's required all the time. Presence is, is a very big quality. Presence, it's living in the now, it's, it's a very big quality. And this comes from Ihsan, this is the highest level, to be constantly aware and focused that Allah is watching me. But you need to be, pre you need to be aware of yourself as well. You need to be aware that Imam Ibn Qayyim, what he's saying, you need to be aware. You can't be on autopilot, like randomly look at anything, think about anything, say, no, no. And to, do, to be able to do that, you need something called presence. You need to live in the now. And then you, you make the most of the present, of whatever's there, because yesterday is gone. Tomorrow, we don't know if it's going to come. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there's so many hadith where we learn, he, he savored the present. You know, people are talking about this stuff now. We learned the Prophet ﷺ, he made the most of what was happening there at the time. Um, we, we won't go into that, otherwise we'll sidetrack. So let, let's carry on. He says, He says the glory, the glory of an individual is that you push away from your mind anything that doesn't have a reality. Anything that's false, because this is a glory for your nafs. If we keep entertaining false hope, false ideas, things that are just amani, okay? They're just wishful thinking, because this is going to take you downwards. Because you need to, don't be happy and content with your thoughts. That if anything that's just false, don't give it the time of the day. Now he's saying, now he comes to his categorizations as well. Now he's, this is very, very practical. You might think, okay, you're telling us all about these thoughts. How do we know? What should we do? How should we manage them? How do we control them? He's saying, I'm going to tell you now. He's saying, all thoughts that you have, they should rotate around four categories. Because these are four categories, and this will help you to understand how to have what kind of thoughts to have, if the thought you're having is a good one, if it's not a good one. Number one, khatarat yastajlibu biha manafi'a dunyahum. Number one, thoughts that will bring more benefit into your worldly life. Any thoughts that you have that are beneficial, that will bring you more benefit in dunya. We're not even talking about deen here. He's saying dunya will bring you more money, for example, will bring you more happiness, for example, will benefit you more in your home, for example, with your vehicle, for it. it's, it's good for you, it's benefit, it's going to bring you some dunyawi, worldly benefit. That's the first type of thought. Thought number two, The second type of thought is that which will protect harm and loss of the world. Worldly loss. Those thoughts that will help you you're thinking about things that will protect you from worldly loss and worldly harm. So you're planning, you're sitting there thinking, and those thoughts are based on things that will protect you from worldly loss, worldly harm. That's number two. So those were two worldly. What do you think the third one's going to be? Okay, two regarding the akhirah. Those thoughts that are going to bring you benefit in the hereafter and automatically number four is going to be those thoughts that are going to save you from any kind of trouble and harm in the hereafter. So what he's trying to say is whenever a thought comes to your mind, it should be one of these four. 
It doesn't have to necessarily just be about Akhirah. Okay? We're not angels. Okay? We're living in the world. So it's fine to have a worldly thought. That's fine. But when it's a, he's saying thoughts come to your mind, put it to the test. This is the test. Put it to the test. Is this thought bringing me any benefit to my worldly life? Yes or no? No. Okay. Is this thought bringing me or protecting me from any harm that could happen to me? By, is it worth me investing my time thinking about this? Is it going to protect me from any worldly harm? No. Is it bringing me any, worldly, uh, any benefit for my hereafter? No. Is it saving me from any harm in the hereafter? No. Just abandon that thought. Don't waste any time on that because this will take you to Amani. This is daydreaming, wishful thinking. So he's not just said Akhirah, he's kept it quite broad. You've got two categories for the world, okay? And both things, any benefit of the dunya and save you from any harm from the dunya as well. And it's a very balanced, as you see, it's a very balanced approach. Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim rahmatullah has got a very balanced approach. Like if it's to do with, um, it could be to do with work. It could be to do with you earning. That's perfectly fine. So much so that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, طَلَبُ كَسْبِ الْحَلَالِ فَرِيضَةٌ بَعْدَ الْفَرِيضَةٌ To earn a halal living, this is an obligation after the other obligations. That's faraz on you. Okay? So if you're thinking about that, if you're thinking about work, that's fine. You, it's okay. It's not wishful thinking. Because you're thinking about a faridah, a person that goes out in the morning to earn a halal livelihood. By the time you come home, all your sins have been forgiven. This is a responsibility that Allah has placed upon you. Now those people that don't work, okay, and think they're doing something good, what's going on in their mind? What happens in that time? They're looking at people that go to work, you're worldly-minded people. Not really. They are more God-conscious because that's what Allah wants you to do. Sitting at home doing nothing, okay, your brain becomes the devil's workshop. And you start doing, this is, you live in a fantasy world then, Amani. So you should keep yourself busy. Even dunya, it's fine. Okay, you don't have a job, go and get a job. If you've got a job and you've still got spare time, volunteer. Help out, do something. Don't sit doing nothing because that will really mess you up. You have to be in control over here. So then he goes on to say that now, when you get these thoughts, how do you kind of... Uh, try and keep your thoughts in these four categories. And then he says, Never leave one of these four thoughts for any other thought. If you've got one of these four, so if, now, he's, now he's telling us, you're going to get two types of thoughts coming to you. He goes, if, it's, if, that, if one thought it falls into one of these categories, don't give it up for a category that's out of these, a thought that's out of this category, because that's probably not going to be helpful to you. But one of these will definitely help you somehow. It will help you bring benefit in the world or save you from harm in the world or then regarding the hereafter. وَإِذَا تَزَاحَمَتْ عَلَيْهِ الْخَطَرَاتِ لِتَزَاحُمِ مُتَعَلِّقَاتِهَا he says, if you end up in a situation that your thoughts crowd you, you are bombarded with loads of different thoughts. And this happens. 
He says, when does this happen? This happens with over-involvement. When we, when we involve in too many things, okay? Sometimes it happens, even if a person is not on social media, but you've got too much going on in your life. There's just too much going on. Too much going at work, too much going at home. There's an event taking place, there's a family wedding taking place. You've got this to answer to, you've got this call, you've got this email, you've got this order, you've got... You're dealing with too many things. And you're just thinking like, you, you don't know where to start, where to end, and your mind's going all over the place. So th that could happen to a person. And then you've got a, another person who's not really that busy, but if you're too much into social media, you've taken in too much content, okay, more than your brain can bear, okay, so even this person, who's not really involved in anything real, but even this person's got too many thoughts, too much going on in the head, okay? So he says, what do you do? In this scenario, what do you do uh, in this scenario? So he says, he gives us a solution and a formula. Too many thoughts going on, and you're losing your mind, he gives us a, a formula. قدم الأهم الذي يخشى فوته وأخر الذي ليس بأهم ولا يخاف فوته. If that happens, because I'm going to give you a secret. Prioritize that thought, number one, which is more important, and also you think, if I don't do this now, I'll forget about it. This thought might slip my mind. So he goes, prioritize the one. That's the most important and also he attached another thing. You might forget to do it. That thought might slip your mind. Just do that one first. The other things can follow on. So he's pushing you towards action and not just sitting down thinking. Because just thinking is going to disable you from action. You're not going to end up doing anything. So start getting yourself busy rather than just keep going round and round in your head. Because first of all, you want me to tell you what to do? Because I'll tell you what to do. You don't, you're not sure. You just keep, you, you spent like half the day just thinking, I've, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know where to start. Because I'll tell you where to start. Start with the one that's most important and also the one that you think that you might forget to do. The thought that you might lose from your head. And then like that prioritize accordingly. You know how many grandparents, how many grandparents are there who are old now, they're grandparents, but they won't retire. They won't retire. You tell them you don't need to work. You're old now. They won't retire. Why? And they don't need the money. It's not as if they need the money. Why do they not retire? Yes. Retire. Okay. This is what they say. Uh, they might not say it like this. But it's come from the word retire. Okay. They, they, they feel if we, don't, if we retire, we'll become retarded. Th that's exactly what it is. We'll just be like a nothing, a Mr. Nobody, doing absolutely nothing. So that's why they carry on working. Not because they want the money, not because they're getting the buzz out of there. No, it's because it's keeping them occupied. What are we going to do sitting at home? We're going to lose our mind. So this is Islam encourages this, that we keep ourselves active. So this is what he's saying. Don't just sit and think and think and think. Fine, you can think for a bit, but this is what you do. The most important and the thought that you think is going to get lost. Now he's saying, There's two more categories I've not told you about, he said. There's two more categories of thoughts I've not told you about. He's saying, one type of thought is, from these two that are left, he's saying the one type of thought is, it's, an, it's important, the thought is important. What you've thought about is, some, is an important task. However, لا يفوت. It's not gonna, you're not going to lose it. That thought is not going to get lost. 
you won't forget it. You know that it's not going to forget. والثاني غير مهم ولكنه يفوت. The second type of thought is it's not important, but you might forget it, like FOMO. Okay, so you think to check social media, for example, a thought come to your mind. Let me check social media. Okay, is it important? It's not important, really. Okay, will you miss out? Probably, you'll miss out on the information. But is it important? Not important. It's not pressing. You don't need to really check. So what he's saying now, فَفِي كُلِّ مِنْهُمَا مَا يَدْعُوا إِلَى تَفْضِيمِهِ فَهُنَا يَقَعُ التَّرَدُّدُ وَالْحِيَرَةِ Now, he's saying that the thing is, which one from these two should you do and which one should you not do? Because this is really confusing. Because if you do the first one, you think, well, I'm not going to forget that. So why do I need to do that now? But it's important. The second one's not important. But you think, if I don't check it, if I don't entertain that thought, I'm going to miss out. FOMO. Okay? So, he goes, this keeps a person really confused in the head. So, وَإِن قَدَّمَ مَا دُونَهُ فَاتَهُ الْإِشْتِغَالْ بِهِ عَنِ الْمُهِمِّ So, at that time, what should a person do? Now he's teaching us what to do. What do you do? وَكَذَلِكَ يَعْرِذُ لَهُ أَمَرًا لَا يُمْكِنْ الْجَمْعُ بَيْنَهُمَا وَلَا يَحْسِلْ أَحَدُهُمَا إِلَّا بِتَفْوِيتِ الْآخَرِ he goes, you're in a scenario, in a situation now. If you do one, you'll lose the other. If you do the other, you'll lose the first one. What do you do now? Simply, he's saying, فَهَذَا مَوْضِعْ إِسْتِعْمَالُ الْأَقْلِ وَالْفِقْحِ وَالْمَعْرِفَةِ He says, this is the time now for you to use your brain. Use your intelligence. Which one of these two is going to bring me most benefit? Thought number one or thought number two? The thought that was important which you probably won't forget. Or thought number two, which is not important, but maybe you might forget it. Because you need to now use your brain and use your intellect, use your consciousness. Because it's at this point, those who succeed will succeed and those who lose will lose. This is a big decision. It sounds so trivial at the moment. The way we're talking about it, you know, is this the thought that's come? Because this is where, this is your make or break. This is where you make it or you break it. This is where you win or lose, he says. Because it's from here, because once you start giving into one of these false hopes or thoughts, that leads to another one. And then it leads to another one. And then it paralyzes you from doing the things that you need to do. And if you focus on the beneficial one, from one beneficial deed because the beneficial thoughts going to drive you towards action when you're in action action is always good because an, a positive action has a positive reaction okay and then that, that will bring more good thoughts and more good ideas and it will just take you more and more towards prosperity so you've got two things Whichever brings you the greatest benefit and whichever thought pushes away the greatest harm, go with that one. Um, and again, it could be worldly or for the hereafter. Whichever thought brings you the most benefit, world or hereafter, and pushes away the greatest harm, you should go with that one. Yeah, give priority to the one that brings you most benefit or pushes away the most harm. Now, now he goes on to say that 
when we have thoughts regarding good things, when you think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so we're saying think about good things, think about positive things. What does it mean to think about positive things? Think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, think about the good. How do we think about good? So he introduces now, there are five types of thoughts which are known as good thoughts. Which are thoughts regarding Allah or good positive thoughts. He says there's five types, not just one thing you can think about. There's five types because we're saying, look, don't you know, try and involve yourself in thinking about good things. Pleasant things. How do you do it? So he's going to tell us now. This is the best type of thoughts and the best type of concerns a person can have are those which are regarding Allah and the hereafter. And he said there's five types of this. Number one. Number one. To think about the verses that Allah has revealed. Quran. So one is to think about the verses that Allah has revealed in the Quran. Uh, minha, to try and understand them. This is why Allah revealed them. Allah didn't reveal the Quran just for recitation. We have restricted our relationship with the Quran just to recite. Reciting the Quran is only one uh, obligation of ours towards the Quran. One right of the Quran upon it is to recite. We recite it and that's it, close it. But he says another thing we should be doing is pondering and reflect. A lot of our thought process during the day, time thinking should also be thinking about the verses of the Quran. Now you can't really do this if you don't understand the Quran. So that means we should spend time, okay, learning the Quran. When we say this, people think, oh no, I have to dedicate years of study. Don't start small. If you don't have the time, don't just give up. The thing is to do action. Start small. You can learn the translation of a small surah, for example, if you want to start off with. And then you can get a reliable tafsir and try and understand the meaning. And it's not difficult. A few days ago, at Fajr time here, we went through Surah Wal Asr, if you remember. Okay? It didn't take long, did it? Took a few minutes. Just translated the verses and then just gave a meaning of it. And then you, you, you can ponder upon that in the daytime. You can think about it. Okay? Instead of thinking about X, Y, and Z and just daydreaming about imaginary things, we can spend a few moments. It, no, no, I'm not talking about the whole day. He said there's five different good positive thoughts you can have. This is just one of them. So he's saying, Tilawa of the Quran is not the only purpose of the Quran. Rather, Tilawa recitation is a wasila is a means to something greater. And what's the greater thing? Is pondering and reflecting. Quran, Allah says, we reveal the Quran, not just for recitation. We reveal the Quran, you recite it. Why do you recite it? The recitation is so that people ponder and reflect on it. He says, some of the Salaf, the pious predecessors used to say, Unzil al-Quran liyu'mala bihi. The Quran was revealed that so that people practice upon it. People have made the tilawa recitation the amal. People have made the recitation as if that's acting on the Quran. That's not acting on the Quran. Acting on the Quran is reading it and then taking the lessons from there and acting on those. 
And to do that, you need to reflect and ponder on the Quran. People are reciting the Quran and they think we're practicing the Quran. That's not practicing the Quran. Don't get me wrong, reciting the Quran is very, very, very important. It carries high and immense rewards, especially in the month of Ramadan. And we should recite it as much as we can. Okay? So we're not saying don't re recite the Quran. But that doesn't mean that my link with the Quran should just be limited to reading the Quran. So you're saying the first type of thought during the day, we should spend some time thinking. And thinking can happen. You could be walking, you could be driving, you could just be sitting there. Okay? We're thinking all the time. So some of our time should be in thinking about the verses of the Quran. Number two. The second type of positive and good thoughts are those which are... So you've got two types of kitabullah. Someone's going to kick me out of the masjid for saying this. Okay. And we don't mean there's two types of Quran. One is the kitab of Allah which we recite, the Quran. And the other is the kitab of Allah that we see in the world, the creation of Allah. Allah speaks about this in the Quran, doesn't he? Again and again. Look at this, look at this, look at this creation. Okay? So one is the Quran where we see the ayat. But we've got the ayat and the signs of Allah in the world. And again, it's just a matter of being present. Okay? He says that we should ponder upon Allah's creation. Ponder, reflect. And let that lead you to think about Allah's names and His attributes and His wisdom and His mercy and His generosity. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has encouraged us to do this in the Quran. So many verses. So it says over here that the second thing you can do is in, when we're going out, no, because instead of having your mind occupied and filled with so much rubbish, okay, instead you look at the sky, okay, let that be an invitation. Okay, you, you're drinking water, let that be an invitation. Think, where did this water come from? You're, you've got your own fingertips, you can see, you can see your, your you know, these fingerprints. The Quran speaks about it, that Allah has made each and every one of them different. On the day of judgment, he's going to bring every fingertip together. When you see a child, okay, you think, where did this child come from? What was the beginning? I was once a child. You see someone old, you marvel at Allah's system in the world. We look at animals, okay? If you're compelled and you just, you know, really want to just binge watch, and you have to go on Netflix or you have to go on the TV, watch Planet Earth. This will, this will, you'll marvel at Allah's creation. There are, there are things that you can do to bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Planet Earth actually opens your eyes and you see, and you, you see things which you never imagined. The ajeeb and the strange types of makhluqat and the creations, especially beneath when you see things down under, under the seas and you think, whoa, like Allah's created all these different types of species, different types of fish and the colors. And you think, wow. And you marvel at this and the different types of animals and how they live. He's saying, you can use the whole world to your advantage. In the same world that everybody else lives, you can walk down the street and you can get the recognition and the ma'rifah of Allah. Without, you, there's no room to complain that there's nothing, you know, there's nothing to motivate me, nothing to guide me. 
He says, you can be guided by the creation of Allah, by absolutely anything. It's, it's up to you how you want to use it. So first he says, use the ayat of the Quran. Next he says, use the ayat that Allah has placed around you everywhere. And if you, if you can't see anything, Allah says, وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ What about in yourself? Allah says, أَفَلَا Allah says, can you not see? You've got so many, think about your eyes. Think about your ears. Okay, think about the lungs. Think about the heart. Okay, the breathing. There's just so much, the whole digestive system. There's just so much. Like we, we don't have time. We can't, there's no way we can ever cover everything because there's so much Allah has thrown down to us and there's so many signs everywhere. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, He speaks to us in the Quran. He's saying like, why can't you see? Do you know why we can't see the signs? Because there's so much else going on in here. There's so much else going on in there that we, we don't have time. Even despite us seeing, Allah is inviting us in the Quran. That Look at the sky. Can you see any cracks? Can you see any holes? Okay, we'll go past the skyscraper. Okay, and we'll marvel at it. Because this is it. We've got materialism in our head. We like this kind of stuff. And we marvel at it. Allah is saying, look at my, look at my creation. Do you find, is there any pillars holding up the sky? Are there any cracks, any blemishes? Have you ever complained about the color? Do you ever get sick and tired of it? Or does it always look beautiful? And when you, each time you marvel at it, it should lead you towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His love. So this is really powerful. So this is the second thought. Number three. Number three is to ponder and think about all of Allah's blessings upon you. And again, I mean, we've been speaking about this prior to Ramadan for so many weeks. Uh, every Sunday uh, after Fajr, we've been speaking about this for weeks on end now, where we can ponder and think about Allah's blessings. And there's no shortage of that. So that's something else. If you're really thinking, what should I think about? Think about Allah's blessings, Allah's bounties, Allah's gifts, all the things Allah has given to me. Okay. And hundreds and thousands of uh, favors that he's done to me and not just to me, to the whole of creation. How kind, how merciful, how generous Allah has been, how forbearing he's been. He says, these three are so powerful. Which three? Number one, to ponder on the verses of the Quran. Number two, to ponder on the creation of Allah. And number three, to ponder on Allah's blessings. He says, these three are so powerful, they will pull out the ma'rifah of Allah from your heart. They will, they will be, they, you'll be able to unearth in your heart Allah's ma'rifah, which is the recognition of Allah, which is a very high stage. People get this after years and years and years of Mujahadat and you know doing so many extra practices and nawafil and so much crying to Allah and so many years of tahajjud a person then reaches the level of getting the ma'rifah of Allah Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah is saying if you focus and try and focus your thoughts on these three things as much as you can this will bring about in your heart the ma'rifah and the recognition of Allah pondering upon the verses of the Quran pondering upon Allah's creation and helping him. You look at Allah's creation and that leads you to Allah and understand how great and powerful he is. And number three, just pondering over his blessings and appreciating them and just feeling so blessed.
So these are three. Just try and think about these because these will yasbighul qalb fil ma'rifa wal muhabba sibgha. You know, sibgha means to die something. To die something. You know, before uh, in, in, in the olden days when they would uh, they, they have a garment, for example, and they wanted to color it red. Okay, it wasn't like today. What they would do is there would be red dye, they'd put it in a bucket and there'd be red dye in there and you just soak the whole thing inside. You put the whole garment in and you leave it there overnight. In the morning you take it out and you hang it to dry. And that's, that's the red color into it. So he's saying if you busy yourself in these three things, you, it's like soaking your heart in the dye of the ma'rifah of Allah, Allah's recognition. That's powerful. And Allah speaks about this in the Quran. Color yourself in the color of Allah. He says, is there anything better than the coloring of Allah? So because these three things will help you achieve that. Number four, the fourth type of good positive thought a person should involve themselves in is al-fikra fi uyubin nafs. Thinking about your personal faults. Wa'afatiha wa fi uyubin amal. Thinking about my personal faults, my mistakes. What's, what are my shortcomings? Where am I not doing so well? What's wrong with my salah? What's wrong with my speech? What's wrong with my behavior? Now remember, over here, we shouldn't become too fixated on it, okay? Because that can become problematic because a person then can kind of lose faith in everything. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a loser. So you don't go so deep into it where you kind of, that overtakes you, but you keep that to a level where that stops you from thinking about other people's faults. The simple thing is this. Always balancing everything. You don't do it so much that that's all you're thinking about and then you just don't want to take part in anything because you think you're the biggest loser. No. You should think about your personal faults, uh, personal shortcomings. He says this is so beneficial. Self-reflection, self-criticism, he says, This is the door to every good. He goes, This is what breaks the nafsul ammara. We've got three types of nafs. Nafsul mutma'inna and nafsul lawama and nafsul ammara. So this is, we all have, the Quran speaks about the three types of the soul. We all have a soul inside us. And the soul could be either one of these three. So you've got the highest, best type of soul you can have. And this is what we're trying to achieve in this world. Is nafsul mutma'inna. It's the contented soul. That soul which is content with Allah. It's, it's, it's just happy with Allah's decisions and Allah's decree. And it's the one that's always doing good. And it's driving you towards doing good. And it enjoys good. It, it thrives of good. This is a nafsul mutma'inna. And this is the nafs Allah will say, Ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'inna, irji'i ila rabbiki radiyatan maradiyya, fadukhuli fi ibadi, wadukhuli jannati. This is the highest level of the soul. Then you've got the second one, which is called nafsul ammara. Uh, sorry, nafsul lawama. Nafsul lawama is like the blaming soul, the self-reproaching -repro self soul, which means it's doing a bit of both. So you'll do a bit of good, a bit of bad. And it's always constantly blaming itself. So you end up doing a sin and then you think, oh, what did you do, man? Go and do tawbah. Go and do istighfar. Give some sadaqah. And then you'll do something good for a bit. And then you'll go towards bad again. And then you keep blaming yourself. Okay? Lawama, you keep blaming yourself. Oh, what are you playing at? 
Okay, you're messed up again. Come on, do tawbah, do istighfar. Like this, it's, it's fluctuating from here to here. This is where most people are at. Okay? And then you've got the third type is nafsul ammara misu. The nafs which is always telling you to do bad. And it buzzes of bad. It enjoys doing bad. It thrives of bad. So he's saying that self-reflection, self-criticism, pondering upon your faults, this really breaks that lower self. Do you know the lower self? Nafsul Ammarati Bisu. That soul which is always commanding you to evil. He goes, this self-criticism, it actually helps you break that type of nafs. It's only when you break the lower self that you'll be able to reach the stages of nafsul mutma'inna. And number five, the last one we're going to speak about. So number four was, think about your personal faults, self-criticism. And number five, al-fikratu fi wajibil waqt Number five, he's saying to be present in the moment. To be present in the moment, not to be absent. If you're at work, focus on what you're there for. If you're at home, be present. When you're in the masjid, be in the masjid. Okay? If you're with friends, be with the friends. The thing with us is, when we're at work, at that time, our physically we're at work, our mind is at home. When we're at home, our mind is at work. Okay? Even when we're with friends, our mind is somewhere else. Okay? When we're with the family, at that time our mind is somewhere else. He's saying, this is, this is really messing us up. This is very harmful. And we're not, it's having an impact on our relationships. We're not being able to relate with people properly. And we're not finding contentment in our life because of this. So he's saying, Al-fikratu fi wajibil waqt being present in the moment, mindfulness, just fully focus in the moment. You know how kids, young children, you know, when they play, right? You've got, you've got, everyone's got either got their own children or you've got nephews, nieces, or you've got grandchildren, or you've been, you've seen children. When children play, okay, they're full of beans and they're full of energy. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Especially at bedtime, they get extra energy. When it's time for them to go to bed, okay, they play even more. When you get down and you think, okay, let me play with them. You play with them for a bit and it tires you out. You play for a bit and it tires you out. And they go, come on, come on, no, 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 not anymore now. I'm tired now. But they've still got the energy. Why? Why as a being a grown man, okay, you've, you've got so much more energy than them. How can they play and play and play and play and play and not get tired? And after 10, 15 minutes... Okay, we can do so many other things, but when we're playing with kids, after a bit, that's it now. Okay, you guys carry on. I've had enough. Why? No interest, because we're not, we're not there. When a child plays, they play with mind, body and soul. 100% focus is into it. When we're doing it, we're just doing it for the sake our mind's not in it. Our mind is my, my work, or my job, or my phone, or my this, my that. You're just doing it, you're just doing it, you're going with the motions. Your mind's not there. If you ever sit down, kids are playing a board game or whatever they're doing, okay? Or if they're on a console, they're on a board game or they're playing outdoors or something or even if they're in the park, okay? A lot of times, pushing on the swing, like, hmm. You're just doing it for the sake of it. And you, your, your mind's not with it. You don't even know whose child is sitting on the swing, yours or somebody else's, okay? But if we were to switch off, 
from everything else, right? Just switch off and just be, be like a kid. Be fully present. Be present. Sit down with them. You know what? You'll actually enjoy the game. You'll be part of it. You will not realize the time. You'll, and it'll be so much more meaningful. Your kids will be able to tell as well. And those 10, 15, 20 minutes will be very valuable. And it says, it says that children need about 10 minutes of your time. That's it. If you give 10 minutes of your valuable, you know, like this is a dilemma a lot of parents have. That you need to get along with work. You've got so much work to do. In the house, you've got your own work, especially working from home, sometimes counterproductive. So you're trying to get on with it, but you've got kids as well. School holidays are coming up now. So you've got school holidays, it's Ramadan, kids are at home, weekend. What do you do? It drives you crazy. Okay, what do you do? Just give them the console, give them a tablet, give them your mobile. That's not always a solution. It's not the best thing to do. Yeah, they can't go on it. We should have restricted times or there should be a limit. Every family knows best what to do. But that's not the solution to everything. And that's what ends up happening. So when you, when you come down, okay, and the kids want your attention, if you give them 10 to 15 minutes undivided attention, right? If they want you to do Lego, do Lego. They want you to play a board game, play a board game. They want you to play outside, but be present. Give those 10, 15 minutes without the phone, without any other distraction, and that will be sufficient. And then you said, you know what? Um, Dad needs to go now. You lot carry on, okay? If I get time afterwards, I'll come and play with you again. They'll be happy, they'll be content because they've got your undivided attention. But if you are going to go in, okay, half-heartedly, okay, and even spend one hour there, but you're not fully there, they'll keep pulling, they'll still do tantrums, and they'll still be stressed out, and they'll still annoy you and keep bugging you. So this is what he's saying is very powerful. He says, number five, al-fikratu fi wajibil waqt. You need to think about what is the task at hand. What is the task at hand and fully focus in the moment. Focus all your energy, your focus, your mind on what, your, what the task at hand. Live in the moment. He says, ibn An arif, a true person who's got true insight and realization of who Allah is, is the person who is the ibnul waqt. The, the, the literal translation of this is the son of the present moment. Son meaning, son, S-O-N, okay? Like they say for a traveler, they call it the traveler in Arabic, Ibn al-Sabil, the son of the road. Why? Because you're, you're on the road, okay? Like for example, the Prophet ﷺ is telling us a hadith about people who do deeds for the world and people who do deeds for the hereafter. Become sons of the hereafter. Don't become sons of the world. Okay? Uh, there's another hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, destroyed is the son of the dinar and the dirham. Okay? dinari uh, dirham. Okay, so over here we are saying that Al-Arif ibn Waqtihi. An arif, a person who truly recognizes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One key sign to understand who is the person who really knows Allah or is on the path to recognizing Allah is the person who knows the need of the hour. What does Allah want me to do now in this moment? Not yesterday, not tomorrow, now. And doing that. 
If I'm at home, what does Allah want me to do now? Does He want me to have my head in 100 things? Or should I be focused? If I'm at work, okay, I should be focusing 100% on that. If I'm at home, 100% there. If I'm in the masjid, I should be fully here. We're nowhere. We're everywhere except for where we need to be. And this is problematic. So Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah is saying that فَالْعَارِفُ إِبْنُ وَقْتِهِ Learn to live in the moment. فَإِنْ أَضَاعَهُ ضَاءَتْ عَلَيْهِ مَصَالِهُهُ كُلُّهَا He says, whoever loses this, you've lost all the benefits that could come your way. You're losing out big time, he's saying. All the benefits that you could have in this world, you're missing out on so much because presence in the moment. He says, every benefit is attached to time. Time is everything, isn't it? Time is not just money. Time is everything. If you, when you're with your children or when you're with your parents, okay, or when you're at work or when you're in the masjid with Allah, wherever you are, that's time. And if you're not present in that time, is that time ever going to come back? The, there's, there's, a, there's a special benefit attached to every second in the task that you're involved in, which can only be done at that time. If you lose that, You've lost the benefit of that time. You can bring it back in your head a hundred times. It's never going to come back. That moment will never come back. And all you live with then is regret and remorse. It doesn't come back. So he's saying, إِنَّمَا تَنْشَأُ مِنَ الْوَقْتِ All the benefits of this life, they are linked and attached to time. Time. And if you lose the time, you've lost all the benefits of that time. الشافعي, Imam al-Shafi'i regarding time, he said, Sahibtu Sufiya. He said, I accompanied the Sufiya, the people who are from the people of Tasawwuf, from the people of Dazgiyah, from the, this topic that we're speaking about. It's the same thing. People have different names. He says, Sahibtu Sufiya. Imam al-Shafi'i radiyallahu anhu is saying, I accompanied the Sufiya. Falam astafid minhum siwa harfain. He goes, I benefited. The greatest benefit I took from them Two things, two things I learned from them, which were very beneficial. One was this, a statement I picked up from them. Time is like a sword, or time is a sword. He says, either you cut it, you cut with it, or it will cut you. Time is passing. Every second, he's saying, imagine the hand, okay? Imagine that to be a sword. Someone's cutting somebody up. Either you're cutting with it, or it's cutting you up. Because this is the most beneficial thing I learned from the Sufiya. I accompanied them. I stayed in their company. I learned from them. Because from everything, this was, this has stood out to me. And I just remember this for the whole life. That time is a sword. You cut with it, or it's going to cut you. Uh, he says that what is your life? Your life is your time. Time is life, and life is time. He says, 
goes, time flies. He goes, it flies faster than the fast moving cloud. And he's saying time is so valuable that if you are able to spend your time in this world, that could be sufficient for eternal and infinite bliss in the hereafter. And if we don't make the most of time in this world, it's got the potential to destroy us for the forever. So one moment has got so much potential for gain. So this is why he's saying, فَمَا كَانَ مِنْ وَقْتِهِ لِلَّهِ وَبِاللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَيَاتُهُ وَعَمْرُهُ وَغَيْرُ ذَلِكَ لَيْسَ مَحْسُوبًا مِنْ حَيَاتِهِ Your real life is that which goes for the sake of Allah, for the sake of your benefit, even if it's for the world, even if it's for the... This is what you consider, this is life. This is the life which is worth living. Anything that goes against this, because it's not worth calling it life, because it's wasted. And what's the, he's saying, what's the difference? Because that's like an animal. Animals also live as well. But they don't really get anything out of it. So he's saying we need to get out of this ghafla, get out of the thoughts, amani, false hopes, and come on to becoming an ibnul waqt. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us ibnul waqt to recognize the now, the present. Being present in the moment and not having our thoughts all scattered all over the place. Just focusing on what we need to do now and getting along with it. This is very beneficial. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Inshallah we'll continue uh, after Salatul Asr. So in regards to our uh, Fajr sessions, this was the last one for this part of Ramadan, inshallah. Uh, please make dua, inshallah we hope to travel for Umrah tomorrow. Make dua Allah makes it easy for us. Inshallah whilst we are there, we will definitely make dua for everybody. And also convey your salams to the Prophet wasallam. And inshallah when we come back uh, in the last five days of Ramadan, we'll continue uh, from the, what date is it going to be? 27th inshallah of April. 27th, we have another five days left of Ramadan. So we'll, have, we'll get inshallah, um, if Allah wills. And you guys are still interested. Jazakallah khairan for your patience. And inshallah, we will have another 10 sessions at the end of Ramadan. جزاكم الله خيرا وعاخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب